Talk brunch served hot. Talk brunch live. Rick Dara here, aka Captain Brunch, with co-host Mr. Destin Soglo Frazier. Tis war. It's war time. It is December sixth, twenty twenty. It is episode. 424 of Talk Brunch Live. This is your War Games 4 NXT Takeover Post Show 2020. Wonderful, wonderful to watch some pure wrestling here without any drama or craziness for the for the most part. So hopefully you guys are ready to listen to the results of that. Shout out to everybody in chat. We'll shout you out at the end of the show. Also, those listening live across all of our podcatcher apps and platforms, including iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict. So on and so forth, as well as the live chat rooms in talkbrunch.com and twitch.tv slash talkbrunch, as well as facebook.com slash talkbrunch. Welcome all. And it is NXT TakeOver War Games, as Destin put it. War. Probably uh, my favorite NXT TakeOver at this point, I've realized. I think the TakeOver War Games here becoming the way Survivor Series was for me back when it was Survivor Series. It's just like, is that one you're always excited for now? Like, yeah, exactly. Just it just works. You know, it's very special, very special time of year. I kind of still miss having the. Uh, I don't want there to always be a takeover pay per view when there's a WWE one, but I do miss there being a takeover whenever one of the big four is on. I kind of feel like War Games fit good into the Survivor Series uh, weekend. You know. Yeah, but yeah. then I guess I guess at the same time, it's good for the NXT guys because it makes it all about them on that weekend. Yeah, that's true too. That's true too, but I kind of it, it kind of like works they, both ways, I think. Yeah, but I feel like they sort of benefit from the hype of Survivor Series because Survivor Series is still the uh, the stronger of the shows, you know. Yeah, but it it did good good on a standalone, you know. I feel like a lot of people. I could be wrong in speculating this, but I feel like a lot of people uh, forgot, you know. Yeah, if you're not following the weeklies, you almost kind of forgot about War Game. It's not like they're bringing it up during our Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. If you're not watching NXT, you have no idea this is going on. <laughs> we're back. I kind of feel like we're back to where we used to be years ago, where I used to complain that the regular shows never acknowledge the fact that NXT is doing something special. But then on NXT, they'll always take a commercial break to bring up the fact that WWE has something, even a small paper like Payback. <laughs> they like showed up in the middle. Like, it seems like we're right. back there now. Like, the only time that NXT served as a purpose of being a, a good, legitimate third brand was when they were trying to compete against AEW. And that's not working in any capacity now. So now it's just back to whatever. At least that's the way it's being advertised, which is why I felt they benefited. Yeah, know? definitely. But nonetheless, they are still holding their own here. Uh, has the Undisputed Era been in every single War Games? In one variation or the other, they've been in all of them. In the first one, Roderick Strong wasn't a part of the group yet. Gotcha. But he was right, in the match. Right, so that's all, right. all four of them have been in every war games in one way or the other. Okay, understandable. So we had a pre-show, which these habitually do not have any kind of matches associated with them. The big draw for this was having Ariel Helwani there, which... uh. I only really half paid attention to, so I'm not even 100% sure as to why that would be. Uh, like, that's not super. I don't even, like, for you and I, I. I wouldn't even call him a draw at this point. Yeah, for you and I, it makes sense because we know him at least. If you're watching regular UFC stuff, you know, we, we watch, we even played the podcast where, he, where Dana made him cry on his own podcast. So, like, there's a history here. But for wrestling casuals, they're not going to really know who that is. It's just like another guy who's showing up. He just seems long. like 
they're just, they're just gonna see some guy who just seems to show off and for some reason just start talking shit to all the wrestlers like yeah but he was there like as a hype person there you know so at yeah. least they uh i don't know they wanted to do that you talk about war games, you talk about WCW, I can close my eyes. I'm in Greensboro Coliseum. It's 1987. It's the Four Horsemen. It's Dusty Rhodes. What do you know about that, Sam? You know nothing about that. And when they brought it back three years ago, it was very exciting to me. And it was a new twist on this great match without the roof. So you could get some amazing finishes like we saw last year. Adam Cole going through the table. It's such a great part of this business. I was so excited when it came back. And I love everything about NXT because it gave young wrestlers like Wade Barrett and so many others. I remember when NXT was just a little segment on a TV show. Now look at it. World renowned, one of the best brands in pro wrestling. To me, They asked me if I wanted to appear on Survivor Series. They said, pick whichever show you want to appear on. Any any pre-show, Survivor Series, World Rumble. Any, I said, I want war games because to me, this is the biggest night of the year in professional wrestling. Well, good hype, man, definitely. There you go. Yeah, and Hawani shown interest in wrestling in the past on his own podcast. You know, yeah, have come he, up with he's it. mentioned it uh, quite a few times. Yeah, like he's always been really familiar with it as well. You know, so uh, yeah, definitely. I guess they're just doing some sort of a crossover here. Now that they have no one from the UFC in the company, I think just thought it was an interesting time for them to decide that they were going to bring him in. Yeah, you know? I mean, and he's showing his knowledge. The fact that uh point out the fact that the original war games used to have a roof and this new one doesn't that's true that is true like most people be... who have never seen war games probably didn't know that until he mentioned it because that is true the original war games used to be built almost like hell in a cell yeah why wouldn't they have a roof i guess for the way things are now having a roof i i guess he can kind of mention some of the some of the things we've seen in war games wouldn't have been possible with it right hmm. all right well Interesting enough, and I'm going to share that with you guys for anybody interested. It's going to be here in the chat room, and uh, it'll also be up on our social media. But yeah, the pre-show, I think they need to do something more with these, to be completely honest with you. like I'm starting to see no point in having just half an hour of everybody sitting around. Yeah, something like, I mean, the Cruiserweight title is an NXT championship at this point, so it's like, throw a championship match on there. Yeah, anything. Because when you look at this whole card, Leon Ruff was the only defending champion this whole night. And that's another thing. Like, as good as the wrestling is, there's good wrestling everywhere now. I don't want to, like, turn my nose up on them. But it's hard for me to get into these pay-per-views that right after another pay-per-view that didn't really have any kind of uh, consequences, which was Survivor Series. It's like everyone, yeah, these teams all arguing over who's going to be the captain, but that never matters after Survivor Series, which to me is another problem with a lot of these little group things that they do. I don't like the amnesia style booking that they have here. It makes no sense whatsoever. Why can't Survivor Series and War Games be the origin of a stable? Like when we watch Raw after Survivor Series, it's like that never happened. Like the teams sort of hang around each other, but then it's just gone. Like I'd like to see a team go, you know, this worked out really good. Why don't we just keep this going? And like they stay a stable. Like all of the alliances, like right after the the thing is over, are broken. And if you're not going to do it that way, I would prefer to flip way, kind of like the way the, the Undisputed Era is. Have enough stables already established that when an event like this comes up, you can just have them go in. Don't have to make up right. stables. One or the other. Either make them there and then keep them together or have ones that are together be there. But I don't like, like the temporary alliances. and Like, like I want to see Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch and all these guys together next week. Not just because it was war games. Which at least the way they built it up, that was actually possible. It just happened to time out right when war games was happening. So. Yeah. So they begin war games with the eight 
eight women tag team match. Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, and Tony Storm going up against Ember Munio, Shariah Ripley, and Shotzi Blackheart leading the team. Finish here being, I believe Raquel chokeslam Il Shirai between the uh, yeah uh, the two rings. Yeah, she power bombed her through a ladder. Yeah, was sitting in no man's land as they call it. Yeah, that looked which like bridge between sucked. the middle ropes. Yeah, and yeah, not a chokeslam, her one-handed power bomb as they call it. So, uh, yeah, very violent match, I have to say. Definitely. Um, Ladies were not joking this time around. Like they brought the plunder out with no hesitation, mm-hmm. and predictably, even though I didn't want it, and I knew we were gonna get it though, uh, we get the rebirth with a new tank, which we saw them building the tank during the NXT, uh, one during the weekly NXT, right? Yeah. Every time uh, Shotzi got a new teammate, they approached her while she was in the midst of building this special tank for War Games, and they contributed like the engine and like the different parts. So we kind of knew that. Uh, this tank was being built here. So they show up with the tank. And there is the team captain Beth At least it's better. Look at that. Like that's way better than what she had before, badass. right? You know, like look at that. Like that really works. Like that other thing she had was like a buggy. Like like the like the carts in Mario Kart would have squashed that last thing. See, that looks like a tank that DX would attack WCW in. That tank fits perfect. More importantly, aiming it right now is Dakota Kai. So that's cool. They should have given them a real tank. So they could all fit on it. If only the stage was big enough. Oh yeah, there's the tank. I don't need to hear this music. But yeah, there's the tank. Good team poles there. Good package. The last one was a power wheel. Yeah, like that last one. It was a big wheel was what the last one was. You didn't I see that how, inside like, it inside her feet had, were pedaling. They they concealed it with the how tank it had, part. Like, a real working can on it too. Yeah, right. And she shot it at the gate, right? Yeah. And she's gonna take somebody out with one of those blasts. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. So we get the tank back because I'm sure that's what all of you were most worried about. I mean, at least that's what I was worried about was whether or not we were gonna get a rebirth of a tank. And there it is. This wasn't exactly as sad as when uh, Vanguard One died. Nah. No, definitely not. So what did you think does have a name? Yeah. So what did you think of the wrestling in this uh particular program? This match was uh all over the place. Like oh my god. I so much happened. So, <laughs> so many things were crazy. Yeah. Um oh my god. I think hands down my favorite spot of the match, and you probably know the one I'm going to. It was near the end. Mm-hmm. It was when EO, because basically one of the things is that when EO um, was when EO was let out of the cage, Raquel thought up the idea of instead of having her get into the cage and pretty much run wild, she held her out there and pretty much rode out their entire little three minutes, right? So that so that then they never got that team advantage, which is a smart move. But when EO eventually finds her way back in, this bitch is on top of War Games with a trash can. It's actually running right now for the people watching the visuals. Puts the trash can on her head and just jumps. <laughs> she did. That like, was brutal. That was crazy. <laughs> that was brutal. That is a level of faith right there in the people you work with. <laughs> to dive like that, she right? Said, I'm not going to see where I'm going. I'm going to do the trash can dive. Catch me. 
Look at that. That oh is nuts. God. That is a beautiful It was one of the visual. coolest things I've ever seen in my life, but holy crap, that was risky. Yeah, it really was. I wasn't even like, sure how the, the landing time, was going to go, and it turned out to be a lot safer than I expected. It was safer than most landings I've seen where they see them coming. Yeah. So, yeah, this match had a little bit of everything. It had Rhea Ripley, who had a mini sledgehammer she pulled. It was almost like a mallet-sized sledgehammer. Very, very yeah, uh, interesting because, uh, here. Shotzi had brought not only, uh, I believe, a kendo stick, but a toolbox mm-hmm. when, she, when she entered the match. And we never saw what was in the box, but we knew something was in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rhea and Dakota battling between the ropes. That was a pretty brutal confrontation there. Where uh, I, I mean, Rhea and... Uh, and Raquel. And Raquel. With, with that part where you talked about where she mouthed, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> that was so cool. Like that was what that was what that was probably one of the coolest camera shots because it's like, oh, I've been waiting for this bitch to get in here. Mm-hmm. Tony Storm shows they've up. gone at it before. Or like mm-hmm. and Tony Storm, she shows up with a whole bunch of kendo sticks, like almost like a package of kendo sticks. Um there was that sequence of Raquel's baseball sliding that ladder into Shirai, sending her into the barricade. Yeah, because uh, I think uh Shirai had gotten one ladder in. Mm-hmm. And she just started throwing a whole bunch of weapons in, and she tried to get a second one in. And that's when she eventually not only was able to boot her back out, but um, Tony managed to get trying to think smart enough to actually, I think she used her belt to seal the door shut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because cause Raquel had just been holding it, which wasn't getting the job done. So it's like, you know what, screw it. Let's tie this bitch shut. Yeah, and of course, you got Indy Hartwell, who's interfering in this match. Because it's legal, I suppose, because of the fact that it's war games and uh, you know, there's no rules essentially. And uh, yeah, it was interesting. It was a very interesting. You know, there was that uh, there was this one awkward confrontation with uh, I believe it was Shotzi and Candice, where like Shotzi like had a chair, and then Candice had a garbage can lid, and uh, Candice is kind of like, wait, wait, and she go and and Shotzi actually waits, and she goes. And exchanges the garbage can lid to get something stronger, but instead gets a fucking candlestick. So it's to the same end, if not worse. I don't. And it, so it was just. It was weird to me though. What happened? It was. It was weird because it was like, um, why does she wait for her to go change weapons? Number one, and then number two, why does she get a worse weapon? I almost feel like maybe with a candlestick you could swing it faster. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. If I'm any kind of logic in it. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. The one bad bump to me of the night that I don't know if they overestimated garbage cans or gravity or what, but Dakota Kai double stomps on Io Shirai, who's in the garbage can. But like she double stomped on it to the point where she folded it. Right. And I was thinking what couldn't get Io out. I was thinking what happened to the person inside? Like right after she landed, my thoughts were what happened to the person inside. And apparently after she landed, her thoughts also were what happened to the person inside because she went to try to find out. But she couldn't because she hit it so hard that she squashed it and she was stuck in there. She had to try to pry her out of the can. She almost shredded her. Remember the end of the original Ninja Turtles movie? She almost shredded her in the compactor. You you could see EO even trying to work, trying to work with her to get out of there. Was she really in pain or was she selling? I think I feel like she was more selling because that looked more like at least is what I'm hoping. It looks a little bit more like she hit the um, the trash can at an angle just to where it folded more, but it didn't just it didn't hurt her as badly. It just Brutal, looked more man. like Eo got stuck. 
brutal stuff brutal brutal stuff yeah these these girls holy crap they yeah. kicked the living shit out of each other they they, they literally was like i we, they were like i don't know if this match is gonna be better but we're gonna up the violence like tenfold yeah ember also she hit that eclipse on dakota across the stairs i think the smart <laughs> yeah, part that they that did oh my i hate to destroy illusion of a good looking bump like that but i think the what made that bump so good was that they put the chairs at an angle where it would look like uh where it would essentially look like Kai's back recoiled off of those steps and made that sound. But really what it was, was the corner of Ember's ass hit the seat of the steel, one of the steel chairs on the way down. So she kind yeah. of targeted herself so that she would hit her eclipse coming down seated on one of the chairs and then Beautiful quickly spot. and then quickly fall off of it and hit the ground but the sound of her hitting that chair with her ass on the way going across it it made that that chair sound it legit looks like the coat of fucking guy's back recoiled off of it that was dope you know that's even smarter than, that, a, than, than slapping your thigh dead. you know who was it i think it was willie or eb of the chat which is like is she dead yeah that's that's smarter like, than probably. the super kick thing with the slapping of the thigh because i was thinking like how the fuck i caught it in the replay when they showed it, it was like how did you do that and i was like ah, i see your ass hit the seat of the chair <laughs> and you had her safely recall across that's some smart shit though beautiful very beautiful stuff i really did like that i i was like yep she's gone yeah i was thinking oh well, everybody's dead now the end <laughs> you know they'll just roll credits and fade to black after that at first i just didn't get it <laughs> you know it's just like yep i don't know but then no nah, i was like when you because when you think about it i mean it, it's probably not that bad even though it's still a bump you don't we, we probably couldn't bump that way but what i'm saying is that like the eclipse is normally designed for her to land on her ass on the actual ring apron which is much lower than the chair so even though the chair is steel and it'll be a little bit rough, it's a much lower collision for her to get from the top turnbuckle to hit the eclipse than to the ground. You know what I mean? It's not that bad. And it makes a good and, sound. And, and if the chair bends, it's still a little bit of give as well. So. Yeah. And that's also what gave it away for me. The fact that the part of the chair where you sit, the corner, at the end of that bump, that's the part that was bent. It was like, so her ass hit going across. But uh, yeah, beautiful. Very, very yeah, cool. You have to. That was off the walls. Yeah, yeah, really, really awesome stuff there. I did like the Storm yeah, Zero um, on Ember on the trash can. There was no uh, trick there, but I mean, they're, they're light trash cans, but it still looks really good, you know? Oh, yeah, this this match. And I mean, freaking Raquel Gonzalez. Like, at this point, I'm like, just give that girl her title shot. All right. We've been saying it for the longest, <laughs> right? Because even if, even though it's only the second one, history says she's getting a championship match because Rhea got hers right after war games yeah we we definitely need to see this go for it yeah somebody like that is very deserving Raquel congratulations on your victory tonight for team Candice you got the pinfall in the women's war games match how do you feel right now Mackenzie I feel great I feel amazing because for the past year it's been about Rhea and EO, and Rhea this, and EO that. I've been overlooked long enough. It's about Raquel now. And after tonight, as mi tiempo, it's my time. Yeah, well, you know, I've been a big supporter of her for a good long time, you know. Yeah, the girl's been great since they repackaged her. Mm-hmm, definitely. Uh, one of the star people here, in my opinion. So, oh, for sure. Definitely glad about that. And uh, definitely showed out in this. For our absolute show. Oh, looks like a beast. Mm-hmm. Anything else on this match? Good opening match, um, right? There is a little bit of a backstage news that I've been hearing. Oh, yeah? It's no official word yet, 
but uh, apparently Candace did have to get x-rays after this match because there is possible talk of either a broken wrist or a broken arm from this War Games match. Really? I wonder what the spot was that did that. Yeah. There's so many of them. That's a bad part. You'd almost have to look back to see, but she definitely, uh, she did have to get looked at apparently after this match. Not good. Not good at all. Oh, no. All right. Well, we'll keep you guys updated on that on the main show tomorrow night, of course. And, uh, okay. So next we had the, uh, Tommaso Ciampa match against Timothy Thatcher. Finish to this being, uh, I believe Ciampa hitting Thatcher with a pump kick. And then, uh, trying to remember what happened. He tries to, I remember uh, he, he chokes out Thatcher, but then the ref is going to count the five and, and disqualify him. So right at the four count, Ciampa transitions, uh, from the choke out into, uh, his his, his submission willow's bell and taps him out yeah yeah, that, that draping ddt which i like that he has he doesn't have to drag out as far as orton does with it so it's yeah. a little bit harder to time yeah so that was very very smart for him to do yeah i mean he it was a different kind of cover because it wasn't like a hook in the leg or anything he literally had to throw his entire body across ladder yeah exactly because these two beat the dog shit out of each other in this match yeah. What do you think like overall in regards to like the the offense in this match? I like that it started out kind of slow, which I know is that's kind of Thatcher's style. It'll start out slow, more of a technical display, and then the physicality comes out. Yeah. Because Th- Thatcher almost Thatcher's wrestling almost seems to work in gears. Like gear one is the technicians, gear two, it starts getting a little bit more physical, and by the end of this match, he's in gear three. So yeah. it gradually, gradually, gradually got more violent as time went on to the point where by the end of the match, Ciampa seemed almost out of it. Yeah, definitely. Very physical. Uh, lots of good spots in this. These two complement each other really well. I thought it was interesting that Ciampa is the uh, the baby face in this, considering he was the aggressor the entire time. Like, I don't even know what motivated him to start messing with Thatcher. They just suddenly showed up one day and it was like his worst nightmare. It seems like more of the thing, like the way Thatcher's been picking on his students. It's almost like to pick on somebody who can fight back type thing. Yeah, it, it, I guess that could be it. You know, pick on someone your own size, even though that message was never really conveyed. Yeah, which I mean, my God, these guys, this was an extremely physical match. I think at one point, um, Thatcher took that bicycle knee from from chopping was his ear was busted. I don't know if he was bleeding internally from the ear. I don't know if a cauliflower busted or something, but. Yeah, he was he was uh he was bleeding a lot, you know. I did like him getting out of Champa's nasty headlock with that German suplex, like breaking it out of there with that. I thought that was a very solid spot yeah. as well. Really, an interesting thing as well that commentary conveyed as well. Like it seemed like Champ um Thatcher was going after some of Champa's past injuries. Like he started out with the labrums, then he went to the knee, and then eventually it started working its way up to the neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very smart, and that's good because they're pushing him as a psychological wrestler. And uh, that definitely works. It's unfortunate, though, that, you know, as good as, uh, of course, we want Ciampa to go over, but it's just unfortunate that there was really no other answer to the end of this feud where it's like they've been sort of pushing for Thatcher. And it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because uh, they have to have Ciampa go over in this. And so what do you do next with Thatcher? Yeah, I feel like with Thatcher is now because this is the biggest challenge he's had since he's been in NXT. So I think you can work with this because now it shows he can hang with the big boys. Which, I mean, anybody who watched him in places like Progress and ICW and all those other places, they knew that from the get-go. But it's like, for these fans who are new to him, 
now it shows like wait a minute he gave a former nxt champion a run for his money so it's like imagine what he can do when he runs into some of the other people that can't deal with him like chompa was able to because chompa even chompa barely made it past him yeah very true but uh, i mean if if a former nxt champion barely makes it past you you gotta be something serious so i don't know i think that was i think that was more of a long-term thing to have uh him still still have such a display but chompa still wanted going over i think what's interesting about this entire thing is that uh you have people that are being pushed that we always would have otherwise thought would never get pushed in this company just like Oni Larkin, Danny Birch, Timothy Thatcher, like actual wrestlers, that it's like the only thing that they are are wrestlers. There's not a gimmick. They don't come out in a suit. There's no pyro. They don't really have like a promo or thing they say or a shirt that you can wear. The pedal just rings and they beat people up. <laughs> they just come out in black trunks and kick your ass. That's literally the entire gimmick. They went, they went backstage, they showered, they put on their black trunks, they, they taped up their wrist or whatever, and they came here to and kick then, your ass. And when they're done, there's no celebration, there's no special thing that they do or signal that they say to the crowd. They leave with an angry face after kicking your ass. Like, that's the whole gimmick. For the next ass whooping. And you know what? That's the kind of stuff I always used to like. Those are the wrestlers when I think about it. As much as I like gimmicks and shit, those are the wrestlers I would gravitate to. I would like the Dean Malenko's like that. You know, I would like the Chris Benoit's like that. Where it's like, what's my gimmick? My gimmick is I'm taking no shit. Like when I come out here, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to go back to the dressing room. <laughs> you know, like those, that's cool. Yeah. You know, and you know, those are the guys that WWE in the past, as much as we don't, we don't give them enough credit, man. They would never push people like this in the past, even if it's only NXT doing it. And we obviously know it's not in the main roster. You would never have a platform for guys in the past to get that kind of a push. You know? Yeah, this is true. So I give a lot of credit. And we've been paying attention to these guys way before they became something. No offense. But, you know, when we were looking at them, we always really like just to see, like, the different things that they would do and the way they would bring things to the table. And, it, and what started as what would have just been jobbers became something much more. So, yeah, I give a lot of credit. And I've actually liked the Thatcher thing, those video packages and everything. That made him really intimidating looking. You know? Exactly. Like, he comes it, off it like a badass. That's almost kind of worrisome. Like, but... Yeah, I almost wish they would have kept him and Champa away from each other for a little while longer. Yeah. Yeah. It wound up working out. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing these guys running back again, for sure. Yeah, you want to see more of it? Oh, shit. I mean, after this match, after the way this match went, I'd gladly watch a rematch. Because they did not disappoint at all. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And what I do like is that after the match was over, they gave each other like this look. Like I don't know, I don't know how to read that look. If it was a sign of respect, or was like, "Hey, we'll run it back again one of these days." I can't really, I couldn't really put my thumb on what that was. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. It looked like a sign of respect to me. Yeah. I know. I know. I heard a couple of times it was called in the chat, like a, what, a, like a tag team. Ah, it's that's too easy for me. I feel like that ralph has been done a little bit too many times. Like, what's this? Yeah. Like, I, I want that to be more of like, all right, we'll do this again one of these days. Like, and then a mutual sign of respect. But I mean, yeah, I mean, because the feud's probably over now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they can afford to do it because they're not going to encounter each other. It's not like the respect means anything because it's done. Right. What I would like to see, though, is like I would like for the Undisputed Era and all these other tag teams uh, that are in these kind of matches to just not freaking change. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the time you have people who turn babyface and heel just for these. And then it's like almost like, again, angle amnesia. That would be the name of this episode if it wasn't for uh, what we're doing, you know? <laughs> all right. 
you know, where it's kind of like, a, yeah. I would like all of these stables the following day to stick together and do more things. You know, and I would like for still be an asshole who beats the shit out of his students. Like, yeah. keep it the same. Yeah, exactly. Like, not like all the angles over now. We could just abandon everything in it. You know, that's the part that gets maybe, on my nerves. Maybe the ass kickings are worse because Chompa barely beat him. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. Well, let's move along. Anything else you want to talk about in regards to this? Uh, to the situation, this uh, match. No, we're good. Nah, great match. Can't wait to see what's next for Thatcher. Yes, absolutely. Actually, you know what? I think they put up. Uh, yeah, the effort Tommaso Champa thing here. Can't skip that. I'd never be forgiven. So, oh, no. Let's see. Tommaso Ciampa, you've had issues with Timothy Thatcher and Thatcher's Thatch can, and you look to resolve those issues tonight in the ring. Do you think that Thatcher put up the fight that you expected? Yeah. Thatcher's a tough dude. I didn't pick Timothy Thatcher because I thought he was anything, but I get what he's trying to do. When I look at Thatcher, I see 2018 Ciampa in very, very many ways. <clears throat> It wasn't as much personal tonight as it was business. Six months ago was my last takeover. It's two takeovers in a row that I missed. I take that personal. The last time I got to step out under those lights in front of our fans for takeover, I was choked out by Karrion Cross. Wednesday, I was choked out by Timothy Thatcher. Tonight, I had a lot to prove. If there's one thing I want everybody to know, it's Master Champa. This version, 2020, post neck surgery, I am still just as dangerous as I've ever been. And takeover, that's still my home. Well, at least now we're at the end of the angle, we got an explanation as to why he chose right. Timothy Thatcher. It took literally the entire angle for the motivations to come out. It's like they thought of it at the end, or I don't know. <laughs> and it makes sense. You know, it was way better than what we were saying. So good for them there. All right. All right, so next we had uh, the strap match. This is what I was looking forward to the most. Uh, Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes, being sarcastic, in case you're a new listener. So the finish to this being, uh, they basically, they had an exchange on, a, on, on the chair where, like, Loomis sort of trips Grimes face first into the chair because he sort of has his feet lassoed, causing him to inadvertently slip his face into the chair. Then he submits him with silence in the strap. Now, in regards to the match, I can say overall, there was lots of strapation, dudes. Lots. You fucking beat me to it. (laughs) All I'm saying is, called it that he was going to choke him out with the strap. You know why? Because that's what happens every time somebody with a submission is in a strap match. Oh, yeah, of course. You got to use one. Like, what else can you really do? You know? But uh, overall, they were really proud about having this match, right? So, you know, it happened. There's that big bump. Hold on, I want to go back a little bit so you guys can see there. He throws him over the barricade to the side there. Uh, I mean, it was an okay strap match. I've seen better. I'm not going to lie. I would even say the Yapapai one was better. And I'm not just saying that so I get to say Yapapai. <laughs> it's just that it was better storytelling. This was okay for what they were doing and the bumps that they were taking and everything. Uh, I didn't like this, the angle leading up to this of this guy being scared of this guy and the other guy popping up. I don't like the gimmick always being the people are terrified of him. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I don't know. What are your like, thoughts? I, I like I like the whole con I like the whole concept of him being weird, but it's like not everybody has to be scared of him. Yeah. Only Christy Hemi was scared of him in TNA. Why is everybody in the NXT scared of him? Men. And it's like bigger <laughs> men too. <laughs> and it's like I, I, I get what they're doing with Des- Dexter Lewis, but damn it, can we get Cram Cameron Grimes a takeover win, please? I mean they're they're clearly not trying to do that. He's like this generation of Jamie Noble. 
like Jesus, even Jamie Noble won every once in a while. He won a lot. Like the like the like the Flash wins on NXT are cool and all, but it's like this is a guy who I watched him be a former X Division champion in TNA when it was still yeah. But like there is potential there, but it's like you gotta actually use it. I don't think they want to though, man. And that's the problem because there's there's so much there to work with. Like the guy's an amazing. The guy's quite the wrestler. He works with every gimmick i've ever seen and i've seen him in three or four different gimmicks and every time he's literally i love how i have to use this to the moon with it but yeah just i need something to start being done with this guy or it's just gonna be like what was the point of even coming yeah well what about loomis though oh yeah loomis has been great like loomis i've never been disappointed with this guy ever since i saw him as samuel shaw and i think that's kind of where my hang-up is with this feud it was like I want if I if I was gonna have Loomis feud with somebody, it would have been somebody where they can afford to just get wiped out in this feud. You can't afford that, and I think that's what bothered me in the long run. I was like, I I I love the stuff that Dexter Loomis has been done. He's one he's one of the guys I always look forward to seeing on NXT, just because I mean, not only could the guy go, he is committed to this gimmick like I've never seen. I don't think I've seen the man blink in a match at the rate that some of this stuff goes. But I'm looking at it and I'm just like, well, look at all the guys I've seen him run through. And then I'm like, when's the last time I saw Grimes beat anybody significant, you know? Yeah. And I also don't want Loomis to become a Halloween character. The only time he comes up is when he's spooking people out and it's always a weird thing. Yeah. And they're always running all over the place and they're always a temporary coward. We, we saw this exact same angle with Roderick Strong. And didn't he beat Roderick in the end too? And what's unfortunate is that the, 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 uh, the Cameron Grimes version is actually better. But it's already burnt out because they did the much less believable Roderick Strong version. Because people who know Roderick Strong wouldn't think that he's scared of that guy. But now they did it with another person. And uh, it works better, but it's just a little bit too late. Yeah. You know, so. And it's, it's kind of painting the picture of if you're scared of him. Okay, well, that guy's losing the feud. It's like, what I, I almost feel like, wouldn't it have been like a little bit better storytelling? And maybe could have kept things going if like Grimes overcomes his fear, caves him in, and then gets his win on... What I think would be big for him, because I want to say it would be his first takeover win. Whereas I think Loomis has won on takeovers before. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully this is over. Since they clearly just wanted something for, uh, they just wanted something for that spot. Is the way that I felt about it. Yeah. That's what it seemed to be. Yeah. All right. Well, this brings us to the NXT North American Triple Threat title match. Leon Ruff defending his North American championship against Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest. The finish being Gargano with one final beat, right? And uh, this oh, was thanks yeah. to the assist of many ghost-faced villains showing up. Yeah, I thought it was Retribution. I was like, no, this is not main event. And then one of them is revealed to be Austin Theory, who goes full ghost-faced. <laughs> what did you say? Austin Theory was dead all along. That's what I said. It turned out that he was dead all along. It's an M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> swerve. He was one of the ghosts all along. Oh, that explains why he could no longer be a disciple of Seth Rollins. You gotta be alive for that shit. I wish there was that kind of storytelling in it, but nah. Yeah, tell me about it. So, I mean, hey, give him something to do. Not just hanging in the background anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very interesting match. Lots of physicality here. Um, 
there was a point during this match where we no longer had Leon Ruff in it, thanks to uh, Damian Priest. There were a couple of times where he took bumps where Damian Priest kind of felt bad about it, right? Where he was just down, like, oh, man, I hurt, I hit the kid too hard. But he showed that he could hold his own. He's actually taller than Gargano, right? Yeah, he's a little bit taller. He's got a couple of inches on Johnny. Yeah, look at that. This guy can hold his own. What, what made them decide to make him a, a joke? Because he's a little thin. He's not even that thin. He's not really that skinny. I mean, he's skinnier than a lot of the guys, but it's like it's not, the not worst that I've ever much. Seen. Yeah, not much. You know what it is? It's that he's skinny and just kind of lanky for his size, I guess. Yeah, that was a nasty bump. He took that crucifix. Oh, That's the one that made God. Priest feel bad. See right there, he's like, "Ooh, maybe I should have done that." Threw him through the plexiglass. Yeah. Fuck that's like, that, that, shit that, that looked like that looked like when you play with your siblings and you hit one of them too hard. Yeah, man. Like the next thing he should have been was just like, "Don't cry, don't yeah. cry." That was definitely set up. That was like, um, you know, that that was definitely a worked barricade for him. But yeah, it was yeah. a solid match as far as uh, just the physicality of it. You had Ruff able to do that double springboard and then go through someone as small as as Johnny's legs. Um, Gargano holding Priest on the outside. Um, and then telling Ruff to hit a middle rope dive. Like, he's like, go ahead, do it, do it. But he really tricks him because then when Ruff hits the rope to go for the dive, um, he hits him with his rope DDT. You know, with a little bit of Gargano experience showing here. So I thought that was very solid as well. Uh, you had Priest who hit Leon Ruff with the crucifix powerbomb like we showed there into the barricade that I thought that was good. Countering one final beat into the reckoning and then that getting recountering was solid. Uh, Ruff also has a springboard 450 cutter that looks very solid. That looked nice. Yeah, very, very good, man. Yeah, I like I mean, the guy. One of my favorite things, pretty much, I think everything Priest at this point does is fantastic. But I loved uh, when uh, the ghost faces came out. And the first, he, he did the first tope on the three on one side. And then this dive we've seen him do before where instead of going through the side of the ring, he dives over like the turnbuckle and the ring post. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was crazy. That's a lot of faith to be able to jump over that much shit and be that big. Yeah, he has crazy spots. Even that double flatliner he did in the ring where he stuck both Gargano and Leon Ruff together and hit them both with it. Yeah. You know. I've never seen it done like that before. I've usually seen it on each arm, but he did both on one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the uh, the fact that he grabbed Gargano from the out from the apron, pulled him into the ring, and hit the south of heaven choke slam. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very solid. I love stuff. that he keeps that moving as Arsenal too. Yeah, I wish Leon Ruff would have kept the title though. You know. Yeah, he. The problem with it is, it's not anything against against Johnny. I mean, Johnny's won every championship in NXT, but he's got the old Sasha Banks syndrome. Like, I'm so bored of it because it's like, okay, well, let's enjoy this till that first title defense. I'm kind of just like it's happened so many times. Like, I'm almost kind of burnt with it. Whereas, like Leon Ruff. It's his first championship, the first time he's ever really been featured, his first takeover. What's it going to hurt to roll with it a little bit longer? The problem with doing something like that isn't you can get away with it if you book it a certain way. And this isn't the way. And what I mean by that is don't never try to tell a story. And then the moral of the story at the end of the story is no moral. You know, like if the story is that this guy is an underdog and he's no longer going to allow society to perceive him as a joke. Then the worst message you could have at the end of the angle is, nope, it was a joke. 
You know what I mean? That's that's to me the second worst thing to that time that Triple H and Booker T back in the mid 2000s when wrestling was terrible had that feud for the world title and Triple H was with Ric Flair and he was saying shit to Booker T like your kind could never have the title. People like you could never be the champion. Like they never implied what he was saying, which we all know what the fuck he was saying. But it was kind of like everyone took for granted. Well, that's the whole point. Triple H is going to say this demeaning, almost almost borderline racist shit to him. And then he's going to be proven wrong when the title and haha Booker T overcame and people like him can <laughs> win the title and he fucking beat him, dude. And they ended the feud. And it was like, wait a minute. And you did a whole feud about how people like him can't win the title. And then at the end, it was like, no, nope, people like you can't win the title. And then they just fucking moved on. What? I don't think anybody ever thinks about it. They kicked it off briefly again in 2009 at SummerSlam. He beat him again. See how shitty that is? That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't like the fact that, because I did like the angle, and I do like Leon Ruff. So I kind of felt like, yeah, this is a good story. This is how you do it. This is better than when you do, like, a Santino. You know, like, I always hated that Santino shit, the way he came out. And I always hated him all the way into his fucking demise, or whatever it is that you would call him no longer be. But the point being, like, I, I didn't like the way they brought him in with that whole... I never liked the whole, I won! I'm a guy from the cloud, and I won! Like, I was like, fuck you. But the thing was, I remember people they who were around me... He for months. Yeah, but people who were around me that didn't watch wrestling remembered Santino because it's a memorable way to introduce a guy. It was for him to be some sort of an unexpected underdog. So even though he's shitty, people liked it. So I kind of feel like with Leon Ruff, the, this was a cool story that had a shitty ending, you know? Yeah. For something we've seen multiple times, because, I mean, yeah, Gargano makes history as the first ever three-time North American champion, but it's like... Is it all that exciting, really? No. It's the most unexciting piece of history I've ever seen because we watched him not make it past the first time on the first two times. Yeah. So it's kind of just like, what? Johnny, congratulations on your victory tonight. I guess the big story here is you becoming the first three-time North American champion. Three times. Say it again. Three times. Three times. But the bigger story here is Austin Theory. Look at this kid. I told you he had potential. I told you he was the future. He told you he was the future. This kid's like he's made in a freaking lab. Look at him. Look at all those gifts. And now, with me, the first ever three-time North American champion. What did I tell you, Mackenzie? I told you I like making history. So maybe, you know, let's think about it. Maybe Johnny Gargano let Leon Ruff beat him just so I could beat my own record and become the first three-time North American champion. He knows. That's such a Johnny thing. It is a Johnny thing. We've been hanging out for weeks now. Hanging out, getting to know each other. This kid, man, let me tell you, he's got it all. He's got it all. All of it. What's he got, Mackenzie? Tell the world what's he got. All of it? All of it. All of it. All of it. And now, and now, he's got me. And now, he's got Candace. And now, he's got Indy. Gargano family just keeps getting bigger and, and better. And now, my new adopted son, we will rule NXT just like I said we would. <laughs> let's, go, let's, let's go play catch or something. Let's go play catch. Yeah, and apparently this that other... was the most uncomfortable ending to an interview I've ever heard in my life. And apparently this other link says Johnny and uh, Theory playing catch. No, I'm kidding. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't you fucking play with me like that. Can you imagine that? They really wanted to heal it up. That would get heat. You know, that shit would generate heat if we had to watch that, right? Oh, my God. Like, if there was actually a segment with them playing catch. There, there needs to be now, I think. Like the, can you imagine the fucking right, heat? I, I hate it already. I hate it already. I already hate him for it, and I made it up in my head. 
You know what the bad part is? When he said adopted son, I almost started laughing because I was like, yo, that's another person in your household telling you. All right. I saw the four of them take a group picture on Twitter where they said the gang's all here and it was him, Candace, and and, uh, Austin Theory and what's her name? Indy. Oh my God. If you line them up, just rock it, look like phone signal. Uh, Gargano game night. Oh God. I don't want it. No, neither do I. Neither do I. Uh, so what was the next match after this? It was the main event? Yeah. Really? The war game. Wow, I feel like we breezed through this. Yeah, You know, these takeovers are never that long. There's, not, there's usually, what, like five matches on them? Yeah, I even tried to take my time to stretch out the post-show a little bit. Damn. We get through these takeover post-shows pretty quick. Yeah, tell me about it. Not much to see here, folks. Moving along. No, I'm kidding. We got the War Games eight-man tag team match. Danny Burch, Oni Lorcan, Pat McAfee, and Pete Dunn against the Undisputed Eras, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong. Without the finish being Kyle O'Reilly's flying knee into the uh, face of Oni Lorcan. On, oh, yeah, a chair um, on Oni's face. Yeah, well, After he took a no-man's land with the same chair. Mm-hmm. And it starts out with Kyle versus Dunn. They have an interesting exchange. I find it interesting that they put, I get it, Pete Dunn's a big guy, this is WWE, but I find it interesting they put him against, like, what will be considered the Undisputed Era's technician. You know, like, in a in a match where it's going to go, like, back and forth, like, one guy coming, the other guy going. Um, it's just surprising to me, because with Kyle, it's always been a thing that the other guy's size doesn't matter, because he's great. He brings them down to his size. He's like, everyone's the same size when you're on the ground, right? We've heard that said before. You know, yeah. so I mean, that's somebody I, I, who brings you down. And I just kind of thought it would have, uh, you know, real, if we're going with realism, like you would expect Dunn to, uh, to have suffered a little bit more there at his limbs at the expense of Kyle, which it didn't happen as much. Yeah. I guess the way, if I'm looking at it from Pat's um, point of view, it's the best decision because it's the only guy on my team that's been in this thing before. And he's going to be in there longer than everybody else. So I guess he's thinking of more in the aspect of, when it comes down to that point where all eight guys are in and war games has started, do I want to have uh, either a Birch or um, Lorcan who haven't been in here before? Basically, almost a non-factor at this point. Do I want done? Do I know can grind out these 20, 30, 40 minute matches to be in there first? Yeah. Yeah, you could, I guess you could see it that way, too. You could see that because yeah. then the next one in was going Lorcan. Yeah, go ahead. Cause, I mean, yeah, I mean, we saw from Dunn's UK championship one, which, by the way, I believe Walter is only about around two months away from being the record. Um, we saw from that UK title run. If there's anybody who could take these long, drawn out, hour long ass kickings, Dunn's one of the guys to do it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he totally is. Totally. Uh, in regards to the match, though, there were some really interesting spots here. You know, they actually put a couple of them up here. One of the big ones was the uh, the spear here, you know, through the table. Danny Birch gets speared through the table by Bobby Fish. I thought that was very I solid. Think I've seen Bo- I think I've seen Bobby do that before. Yeah. So maybe it that might was have been last year that. when I saw him do that same part. Yeah. And then, of course, you have our, our buddy here, Pat. Pat's looking good out there, man. I got to say, Pat looks like he's really invested time into this. Like, look at the way he, he moves and sells and shit, right? Holy crap. He he's so good. Like what? Like, I've hell? never been happier to be proven wrong. Yeah, and then if this was a cool spot here, this was uh, the Panama Sunrise, right? Yeah, he Ooh. took it like a G as well. Yeah, very solid, very good looking. Adam Cole as always. 
But I mean, Pat's freaking moment of glory, that dive from the top of the cage. I told, I said in the chat room before the match, I was like, if he doesn't do anything else in this match, that's the one thing I wanted to see him do. And damn it, I got my wish. Yeah, Patton's crazy dive. You know, he's definitely not a Gronk, like you said. You know, I remember yeah, that was your concern. You didn't want he's another not Gronk. Fear. He has no fear when it comes to this. No, no, definitely not. And he knows he looks good out there. You know, he probably practices a lot. But yeah, he definitely had a good spot as far as that kind of stuff going. See, here yeah, we go. He was a good show and he got in it. there. Like, he wasn't just hanging off in the background. Like, a lot of these other celebrities, like, he was in the mix during this match. Yeah, that is wild. <laughs> That's so high. Up. It didn't even look like they really broke his fall, you know. No, he he looked like he ate more of that fall than he could have, but just like the lack of hesitation. The second he knew everybody was ready to go, he just he didn't hesitate, he just went. Mm-hmm. Vince didn't have to do that spot for him. Yeah, no, they definitely didn't. And of course they got the undisputed error gets the heat back for all of the trouble that he calls causes. There was like a spot where uh they're all attacking him, right? Like oh, and they yeah, had they, him like in the center of the ring. They got him in the back of the alley and beat the shit out of him. Yeah, look, they gave him that alley beating. We're just going to beat the <laughs> living fuck out of you. You got you. I gave you two weeks to get my money. <laughs> Run your kneecaps. Yeah, give me your lunch money. That's what that was. I knew they were going to get that solo beating on him. You do. It's going to happen eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the guy did good, man. I'm proud of him. I. At this point, I'm just like, yo, if you're going to bring him back again, bring him back as many times as you want. Because every time he's been better than the last so far. Mm-hmm, yeah, the guy definitely. has a fantastic promo. He's not scared to get in there. Yeah, there was all kinds of stuff in this. There were birds with his cricket bats. He actually winds up tapping to a heel hook, but it doesn't matter because War Games didn't officially start at the time before Roderick Strong yeah. comes out there. Uh We had that I am the table moment where Pete Dunne uh, threw, throws Danny Birch through the table. But, yeah, yeah, it was um, I believe it was O'Reilly and yeah, it was O'Reilly and Fish that tried to powerbomb him through Birch and through the table. Table never moved. So Roderick had to splash it. Yeah, someone with those undisputed era tables. Those things are like are those like Japanese tables? Because them fuckers don't like to break that easy. Yeah, no, it doesn't seem like they like to break at all. I don't know. No, they, no but everybody got not as many weapons in this in this um this war game, so it wasn't as violent as the women. I think they only use like what, like a table and then the cricket bats. Well, Adam Cole spiking Pat McAfee with, uh, well, actually he went, actually done hitting Cole with the bitter end on the chair. That was nasty. But it was also that. I done. First of all, that was the most creative bitter end I think I've ever seen. And Adam Cole in these chair bumps. This man yeah. scares me with these fucking chair bumps. Yeah, no, definitely, uh, definitely some brutality to be shown here. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I can tell you though, with that finished. Like I said in the chat room, the era got the monkey off their back. And this variation of the, of the Undisputed Era has finally won a war games. Yes, absolutely. Good for them. Yeah, they needed Undisputed it. Era, absolutely <laughs> incredible performance by all of you tonight. But just how good did it feel to have Pat McAfee oh locked in two pages with God? How good did it feel? Just imagine, imagine the best day of your life and then times that by 10. I've, I've said before how much I can't stand Pat McAfee about how he, he's the person I've hated, hated the most here in NXT. And, and finally, his mouth didn't back up what he had to say. Finally, Pat McAfee had to be locked inside of War Games with nowhere to run with the greatest faction in WWE. Ain't that right, boys? Oh, man, I just really hope Oni and Danny have gotten rid of their false bravado. Yeah, tell me about it, man. To have. I'm yeah. really tired of hearing Danny. 
yeah. act like a guys for four years in a row we've gone to war and and we haven't won every single year but every single year we've walked into that cage a band of brothers and we've walked out of that cage tighter and for my money that's something to be proud of guys i freaking yeah. love you guys yeah Love you too. Absolutely. It's another Undisputed year in the bank, man. Forever, it, right? And it, it, here's the thing. Um, we're banged up. We're really hurt. Because it's war games. But after, exactly, after mm -hmm. every single war games, we're banged up and we're hurt. And we come back and we show the world who the hell the Undisputed Era is. We showed Pat McAfee, we showed the entire world, and now we're going to continue to show NXT what the Undisputed Era is all about. And that, what's the rest? Good. There we go. Boom. Beautiful. She's been watching. Beautiful. Hit the pose, fellas. Here we go. God, I'm so. <laughs> awesome. Oh man. Yeah, this boy's delivered again. Like I said before, when uh, we talked about it on Monday, nobody needed a war games win like these guys did. No, they really didn't, and it was good. Overall, entertaining. Good spots. Excellent work by everyone across the board here. You know. Oh, yeah. As usual with war games, really no bad matches. This this pay per view has always been good about getting straight A's all the way through the board. So, yeah, it makes you wonder though, like, what if we're going to continue war games? Do you see these characters still being a stable a year from now? So, with McAfee's group, I'm not sure, but I want to see Undisputed get it one more time for the simple reason that if this time next year. The Undisputed Era walks in, they will have the record appearances in War Games. Yeah. This was their fourth one. Next year makes it five. So I'm like, if you're going to split them up, give me one more Undisputed Era's War Game just so they can capture that record. Because like ironically, the, the guys who have been in there the most times, Dusty Rhodes and the War and the Road Warriors, have been in four War Games matches. Oh, so you and see Undisputed them. Era tied it tonight. And if they don't do it, no one's ever going to do it. I don't know if we're going to have another four or five years. Who knows what the landscape yes, will be can. like to have war games at that point. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody else could step into the war games that many times. Yeah, neither do I. Because it, it takes a special type of crazy to go in that thing once. And even though they weren't a team the first time, all four of these guys have been in every single war games match. Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from with that. So overall, how would you rate this amongst the other NXT TakeOver pay-per-views? Oh, I mean, as usual, this one, I come out of it wanting to watch it again. Hmm, so far, nice. every year, I always wind up watching War Games. One, I think War Games is the only TakeOver I usually find myself watching twice. Hmm. And I feel like I'll probably wind up watching it again this year. Yeah, I don't think I watch any pay-per-views twice anymore. <laughs> I think those days are long gone for me. <laughs> it's not easy anymore. <laughs> Nah, there's way too much wrestling now at this point. It's like you barely get to make it through the week stuff before uh, you have like another week of stuff to do. Yeah. You know, I've been hearing that all of the different stuff that the WWE has been acquiring on the network hasn't been doing good, like all of the extra indie stuff. And it's kind of like because when the people going to watch it? Yeah. You know, nobody's going to have a time for the best of Drew McIntyre and progress and Keith Lee and PWG and all this other kind of stuff. Like there's so much other stuff to do. Ooh, like there's some their I strategy mean, they, they, is they to just rolled out two 24 specials in the past week so it's like their strategy i think is to just drown people with so much content that they're never going to get around to watching AEW or impact or any of the other stuff but really what happens is they wind up drowning and diluting their own content because people are always going to watch the other stuff and then uh when they, they then get back to the extra ww stuff when they can and the answer to be honest is usually never because when the hell are you gonna have the time 
Yeah, especially because a lot of this stuff is like, okay, this happened how many years ago? Like, yeah, it's a bit much. But overall, the pay per view is still solid. NXT Takeover, solid, fantastic show. Uh, everyone did a great job here. Any other thoughts? Are we ready to wrap up here? Yeah, that is it. War Games delivers again. Yeah, it once again delivers. I hope you all enjoyed it once again. Thank you to everyone who has hung out with us for this entire evening, hung out for the entire War Games. We're in the chat room with us throughout the show. Thank you, everyone who voted and everyone else who participated and supported. And always possible, including those in our live chat room, including King Quest 770, Stasis Streams, FTO Payer, Willie V2, Cool Ice, EB Gamer, Bloodluster, Have This Too, Extra More. Of course, all of you across the Facebook chat room, as well as all of you lurkers there. Those of you on talkbrunch.com, facebook.com, twitch.tv slash talkbrunch. Across the board, all of you, and then of course, on the podcast apps as iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, uh, Podcast Attic. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Talk Brunch Live, episode 424. This has been your NXT TakeOver War Games 4 2020 post show, hosted by yours truly, Rick Dara, aka Captain Brunch. For myself and co host Destin Soul Glow Frazier, we're out of here. At ease, war is over. Shut it down.